Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. We're in a new series called Simply Elijah. And to start, I have a question to ask. What kind of listener are you? I got some statistics, and you know I love them, and I thought these were interesting. Most of us speak at the rate of about 125 words per minute. However, we have the mental capacity to understand someone speaking at 400 words per minute, if that was actually possible. Now, this one's interesting, and it explains a lot. The difference between thinking speed and thought speed, it means that we use only 25% of our mental capacity and still have 75% left over. Now, what that really is saying is, as I'm thinking what you're saying, I have this incredible ability to keep thinking and multitasking thoughts. So this is why we get distracted so easily. Now, what about this? Most people only recall 17 to 25% of the things that they listen to. So we really should pick our words wisely, shouldn't we? And words only convey 7% of what we try to say. 93% of what we communicate comes through body language and the tone of your voice. Listening to nagging or complaining for 30 minutes or more can damage the problem-solving part of your brain. Now, isn't that interesting? The more that you're around people who complain and nag, and the more that you listen to that or I listen to that, it's damaging our ability to think strategically and to solve problems. And then this one. People will listen to a speaker for 18 to 20 minutes before they zone out unless attention units or multiple points are used. Now, have you ever tracked with me? Usually I have three points to keep you interested. Today I have 10. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have 10 points. I'm going to try to keep you engaged, though, for the next 20 or more minutes. And I want to talk about this incredible prophet named Elijah. Elijah's story begins in 1 Kings 17, and he was a prophet, a spokesman for God, during the reign of Israel's most evil king and queen. Do you know their names? Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab continually chose to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, prompted by his wife. And into these dark hours, God sent a divine light by the way of the prophet and person of Elijah. Now, this is interesting to me. Elijah's story really pops in out of nowhere. Usually, we would be given a a lineage, a genealogical background of the prophet, but we don't know anything about him. This is all we know. He's called a Tishbite, probably referring to the rural town of Thesbe. When people heard the name of Elijah, they were also immediately reminded that his name meant, my God, Jehovah, 
is he. Now, Elijah had an incredible passion for God. There's no doubt about it. He was a rough man raised in one of the most difficult times in all of Israel's history. And I like this. Scholars debate about his clothes or his physical appearance. There is a way to interpret this scripture on two levels. One, was uh, he just a hairy guy with, a, with a, a presence that was intimidating? Or was he wearing animal skins, hairy animal skins? Now, actually, it doesn't matter what we think. Regardless of the debate, we know this is true. When Elijah showed up, everyone held their breath because they knew whatever came out of his mouth was from God. Can you imagine if you knew someone like that today? That the minute that they walked up, you thought, this isn't just going to be a coffee conversation. This is going to be, thus saith the Lord. And when that happens, people listen. It's also ironic to note that Elijah was the inhabitant of Gilead. In Jeremiah 8.22, that prophet asked, is there no balm in Gilead? Well, why is that so important? It's because that region was known for healing ointment or a balm that was used to help people find wellness and wholeness. Elijah was that healing ointment for God's people, if this wounded and sinful nation would just listen. Now, to really understand Elijah's impact on people, you've got to turn all the way over into the New Testament and realize that Elijah was referred to by Jesus himself and also again in James. In fact, did you know this? that of two historical figures that appeared on the mountain of transfiguration, one was Moses, the other, Elijah. That's who Jesus wanted to talk to before he went to the cross. Today, to understand Elijah and to begin the journey with him, like Elijah, we can't just assume that he knew how to listen to God. It's not something that happens just out of, out of a divine uh, wave of God's wand. doesn't happen that way. Even in the New Testament, we're told that Elijah was a man like us. So how did he learn to listen to God? That's our first component in this series. And I want to give you three clues in this story that begins in 1 Kings 17, 1 through 6. I want to show you how we can and we must learn to listen to God if we want to hear God speak to us even today. So let's get started. 1 Kings 17, 1 says this. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe, in Gilead said to Ahab, and the, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Here's our first clue to understanding how to listen to God. Pray with divine purpose. We all pray, 
But there's something very specific to this story. Elijah prayed with divine purpose. You see, there's a problem, I think, that impacts all, all of us today. Have you ever talked to people that want to know that God is real? Have you done that? I just, I just want to know that God is real. I think it's, it's all right to make that search. I'm glad if that's the path you're on that you want to know who God is. But here's the struggle. Oftentimes people want to know that God is real, but they don't really want to know God. Henry Black would be a wonderful pastor, and I would call him a theologian. He writes this incredible insight. God has a right to interrupt your life. He is Lord. When you accepted him as Lord, you gave him the right to help himself to your life anytime he wants. Is that true of you? Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Oh, listen, I hope you have. And can I stop long enough here to say, if you haven't asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you can do it right now while I'm talking to you. Right now, you can just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, I need you. I've sinned. I need a Savior. And I ask you to invade my heart and mind. The minute you pray that, wow, it happens. It's incredible. But I have another question. Have you given your heart and life to Jesus? And does he have carte blanche over you? No matter what he wants to do, no matter what he wants to say. See, that's the thing that challenges me about Elijah. God interrupted Elijah's life. And he was good with it. When we first encounter Elijah, we realize he's a rugged man's man. A person with a demanding and commanding character. He didn't just believe in God. Elijah was zealous for God. And God knew he could interrupt his life, set him apart, and allow him to become a spokesman, a messenger to Ahab and to Jezebel. Now, here's the thing. Before Elijah would ever confront Ahab, God had literally told Elijah that he would withhold both rain and even the dew. Did you hear that? You see, this is why I think this is an interesting detail in the story. Baal was who everyone was worshiping at that time. God had told the children of Israel from the very beginning, have no other gods but me. But they had prostituted themselves in Israel. And they had begun to worship Baal. And this is why. He was a fertility god. And he would also bless with rain. And they prayed to him to give uh, nurture to their crops. And what does God do through Elijah to get their attention? God says to Elijah, you're going to go to Ahab. And you're going to tell this evil king that there isn't going to be one drop of rain and not even a heavy dew to grow anything until God gives me the green light to speak the words again. Understand this this morning, in this first step. We must pray with divine purpose. I'm not here to tell you that God doesn't want you to pray for your daily needs. Jesus said himself, 
give us this day our daily bread. He's not saying that, but are we praying with divine purpose? My mind went back to a time in history when I was just a couple of years old. Martin Luther King had been arrested and put in a Birmingham jail. And it was in 1963, and it was because he had marched for social justice without a permit. They put him in jail, and he was just a young man in his 30s. And eight clergymen, or can I say pastors, eight pastors from Birmingham wrote him a letter and told him basically he needed to tone it down. He needed to cool it. And of course, all eight of those pastors were white. He penned a 7,000-word response to these pastors that lives on today. And I just want to read the end of the letter. Can I do that? Martin Luther King said, Never before have I written so long a letter. I'm afraid it is much too long to take your precious time. I can assure you that it would have been much shorter if I had been writing from a comfortable desk. But what else can one do when he is alone in a narrow jail cell? Other than write long letters, think long thoughts, and listen to this, pray long prayers. If I have said anything in this letter that overstates the truth and indicates an unreasonable impatience, I beg you to forgive me. If I have said anything that understates the truth and indicates my having a patience that allows me to settle for anything less than brotherhood, I beg God to forgive me. I hope this letter finds you strong in the faith, King writes. I also hope that circumstances will make it possible for me to meet each of you, not as an integrationist or a civil rights leader, but as a fellow clergyman and a brother. Are you praying with divine purpose? Are you praying beyond just your daily bread needs. Oh, we'll even see it, that God will meet those needs for Elijah. But he met those needs because Elijah was praying with divine purpose. If we're going to listen to God, we must pray with divine purpose. In fact, I love this in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. I, I, I just am stirred by what is written in this scripture. James says to the New Testament church, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Oh, but hang on to every word as I read this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. We, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years, and he prayed, and the heavens gave rain again when he prayed, and the earth produced the crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. The greatest thing that we can do is pray with divine purpose and begin to realize that people need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It was the reason that God spoke to Elijah. It was the reason that God had set apart the children of Israel 
And we have that same mission today. Maybe it's Martin Luther King. And we need a united brotherhood that brings social justice. But maybe it's more than just that. Maybe we'll have all the things God wants us to have if we would all give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ and be united as a church. Are you praying with divine purpose? You, if, if you want to listen to God, if you want to hear God speak, we need to elevate our prayers. That leads to 1 Kings 17, 2 through 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here. Turn eastward and hide in the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Oh, I can't wait. This is great. Here's the second clue. If we're going to learn how to listen to God, we must intentionally lean into God. Now, you've got to get this in your mind. The struggle that people have today, too many times when I talk to them, people want to know who God is or believe in God, but they want to do whatever they want to do, and then they just lean out instead of leaning in. Not Elijah. Elijah leaned into God. But this is interesting. God told Elijah to go to the ravine and isolate himself. Why? Ahab and Jezebel hated Elijah because he represented God's accountability for a sinful life and evil leadership. Do you like accountability? Do you love it? Do you say to your friends, please, come over tonight and hold me accountable for my weaknesses and my mistakes? Man, I don't do that, but we all need it. Any amens out there? We need it. You see, Elijah's absence and the lack of rain would be a daily reminder that God was displeased with Ahab and Israel's sin. But there's another reason God sent Elijah into isolation. Elijah needed to learn. He needed to choose to intentionally lean into God. Francis Chan, wonderful insight. We never grow closer to God when we just live life. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. God sent Elijah to an obscure place, not just to save him from Ahab, but to teach him how to be totally dependent. It may seem that Elijah had all he needed from God. Come on, come on. If God can speak to you, and you can say, stop raining, and no do, isn't that pretty, pretty powerful? Do you, are, you, are you kind of strutting around doing, I don't need any more, I'm, I'm the man, I got it together, I can, I can tell it to rain or not rain, how much more profit do you need? <laughs> Elijah's greatest need would be found in his greatest test. He had to learn how to prepare for what he had yet to experience. Elijah would need to learn two spiritual disciplines. He would have to lean in and listen. Isn't this an incredible word from God in this, this passage? The word of the Lord came to Elijah. We can't hear God speak if we don't take the time to separate ourselves from the daily demands of life. Please hear this. Please wrap your mind around this. Too often we want God to speak to us, but we don't make room for God in our overwhelmingly busy schedules. We have to lean in and listen to God. 
And I'm not talking about, don't give up your devotions, don't give up your prayer time, don't give up coming to church or listening online. Don't do that. Lean in and listen to God. It happened to me. This church gave me one of the most wonderful gifts I've ever received in my life. I had two months off for sabbatical. I needed healing physically, but I didn't realize I needed healing spiritually. I found myself spending an hour, two hours, many days, three hours, just pouring over the word of God, praying. And can I say this to you? I don't have time to tell you the stories, but God literally spoke to me things. Things in my life now and things to come. You and I have to be like Elijah and actually get away with God. Elijah was told specifically where to go in geography. God can be our GPS even today if we let him. We have to lean in and listen, but the second spiritual discipline is to lean in and obey. Elijah wasn't given a time frame for this period of waiting. All he was told was that he didn't have to worry about food and water. Those concern me. I want to eat. I want to drink. And here's what God said. Elijah, don't worry. Ravens will feed you. Come on, ravens. I, I got it. Can I, can I just throw this out? I, I'm like, why ravens? And then, I, you know me. I had to go do the research. I had to go dig in. Let me give you some fast facts about ravens. Ravens are extremely smart. They rank on the scale of chimps and dolphins. Ravens have been known to steal a Costco customer's package meat right out of their carts. How about this? In captivity, ravens can learn to talk because why? They imitate human speech. They can be better than some parrots. Kay and I used to have a, a parakeet, and every morning when we got up, that ba- we called her baby. She, she would look at us and, and she would say, good morning, good morning. In captivity, ravens can learn to talk better than some parrots. They can also imitate wolves and foxes to attract them to break open a carcass, then steal the meat. What about this? Ravens use hand gestures. <laughs> Are you there? They will hold up an object to another bird just like we would do with our fingers in order to get their attention. This is how they work together. Ravens are adaptable. They can live all in almost any environment. From snow to deserts to forest, they have few predators and they have the ability to trick other animals into giving them their food. You know, I got to tell you, I was thinking, does that mean, like, you know, they got food and bread. So I get the whole meat thing, but did they trick somebody? Did, did they imitate human action and they learned to speak and they went to some rural village and said, give me bread? I mean, what's going on? I don't get it. And this is the last fast fact for ravens. Ravens show empathy. They will console each other as they travel together in flocks. They respond in friendliness to each other and even other birds. Although they can be mischievous, ravens can feel empathy for those in need. Now, can I just simply ask, did God make a good choice for ravens to take care of Elijah? Does anybody remember what Jesus said? If God can take care of the birds in the air, What are we worried about? Elijah only received what he needed twice a day, morning and evening. 
I think that's an incredible insight. It, I know it's just a small detail, but too many times we're worried about things tomorrow, the next day, and the next day. No, no, no. We need to lean in, and we need to learn to listen, and we need to learn to obey. If God can supply a feast for Elijah in the wilderness, and his servers for the catering business are ravens, how much more can God do for us? So let's finish the story. In 1 Kings 17, 5-6, through 6, So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Here's our third clue. If we want to learn to listen to God, like Elijah, we must wait faithfully with joy. One sentence puts everything into perspective for me. So he did what the Lord told him. Elijah isolated himself. He took up residence in a narrow gorge in the Jordan Valley. He ate meat and bread of ravens. And he waited and he was willing to not only listen to God, he was willing to be joyful in God's presence. Oswald Chambers, one of my favorite writers, he states, wait on God and he will work, but don't wait in spiritual sulks because you cannot see an inch in front of you. Are we detached enough from our spiritual hysterics to wait on God? To wait is not to sit with folded hands, but to learn to do what we are told. I want to challenge you this morning. I really want you to hear this. Will you do this? Just, just hear me this morning on this. Too often, we find ourselves in a situation where we're waiting on God. We want to hear him speak. We want to listen to God. But the problem is, we're upset about it. We're anxious. We sulk. We, and the longer we have to wait, the more undone we are. The more unsettled we are. Do, do you understand the story of Elijah? He didn't know how long this isolation would last. It must have lasted a while. If... if it didn't rain for three years. But he was never alone. God was with him. The ravens were taking care of him. And he was learning to listen to God. I don't know what your situation is right now. But I'm asking you, don't wait in, in a way that everybody realizes you're miserable and you make everybody miserable. Wait with joy. When people ask you, what's going on? Say, I'm waiting on God. When people say, well, what's next for you? Say, I don't know, and then smile, that beautiful smile that you have, and say, but I'm waiting on God. Don't give in to the fear and the anxiety. We all have it. Every one of us has it. But wait with joy and watch how God takes the joyful waiting and he uses it to transform our lives. And he prepares us mentally, spiritually, emotionally for what will come. 
Have you read some of these great scriptures? The promise of God in Psalm 27, 13 through 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. What about this one? Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And what about Isaiah 64, 3 through 5? For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. I've, I've told this story before, but I knew God was stirring my mind to share it again. Our youngest, Mary, was getting ready to go to college. She applied at Anderson University, the school that I went to, Kay went to, her sister went to, her brother went to, and she applied at Indiana Wesleyan. She was accepted at Anderson University, and we were waiting on Indiana Wesleyan. She applied in the music department. And when she applied, she got the letter from Anderson. The financial package looked very good. And then Mary came to me and she said, Dad, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah. She goes, we haven't heard back from Indiana Wesleyan yet. I said, I know. And she said, Dad, I'll go wherever you think I should go financially, but God is calling me to Indiana Wesleyan. I said, okay. We kept waiting. She had done an audition tape and still hadn't heard any acceptance. And when we finally got the letter, it didn't say anything about our audition tape and it said that she would have to wait to be accepted into the department. Now Mary's an incredible musician. She has a beautiful voice. And I don't believe in coincidence, do you? One of the teachers at Indiana Wesleyan was a childhood friend, and I called her up, and I said, we, we got a letter, and it wasn't what we were expecting, and I know as a dad, I'm prejudiced, but I said, I thought Mary's audition went well, and I really thought this was where God was sending her. My friend said to me, we never saw Mary's audition tape. I said, really? I said, would you have been one of the ones to see it? She said, oh yeah. She said, can you have Mary do another tape right now and drop it off immediately before all decisions are made? I said, I can. So you gotta learn to listen to God and lean in. Anybody remember that? I got people together. I got Mary, I called her. I said, put on your, the, the clothes you wanna be taped in, explained it came to the church, we had someone play piano, she sang her songs, we videotaped it, we all worked together as a team, we were like a little band of ravens. And then, the next day I just happened to be in Indiana for a meeting. I dropped the tape off. Just, just 24 hours later, this is the call. Mary, we want you, you're accepted, and they gave her a better financial package than we could have ever imagined. Wait on 
God. Don't get in a hurry. And when he tells you to do something, obey. Learn to listen to God. And right now you may be in that place. You got any anxious thoughts? Is God doing some things you don't understand in your life, in relationships, or in your work, your career, your family? <laughs> you know what? I think it's a good time to pray, don't you? Elijah's going to teach us so much. But what he reminds us of today and what he shows us how to do, he shows us how to pray with divine purpose. He shows us how to lean in intentionally. And Elijah reminds us to wait with joy. Let me pray for us. God, you're doing some great things and we can get nervous and anxious, especially when you use us with divine purpose to change the world around us. But before we can ever become world changers, we have to have our own world changed. God, change us, mold us, make us, transform us so that we, like Elijah, can be used. And Father, for all the people that are waiting, God, may we wait not only patiently, but may we wait joyfully. And God, prepare us for what we can't imagine or dream. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you so much. Can you tell I'm excited about this series? And I'm excited about you. You're incredible. We love you so much. Share this uh, message with someone else. Get online and tell them. Tell your friends that are waiting, people that are praying and looking for divine purpose. Say, this is the series to track with. Elijah, God's going to use it to change us all. I love you, and I'll see you soon. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.